Are you stuck in the cycle of being controlled by your food cravings? Are your cravings negatively affecting your thoughts, your moods, and your body? Do you struggle with low energy, digestive issues, chronic pain, weight gain, poor sleep, mood swings, and irritability? Maybe you're just plain overwhelmed and confused by all the health information you find online, giving you conflicting information about how and what to eat. We are going to silence the noise and end the confusion. Join me, Dr. Jana Joshu Grimm, and me, Elisa Keaton, for a 21-day sugar fast. Though the fitness and weight loss worlds have been borrowing this idea of fasting for some time now, it's first and foremost a spiritual discipline. You will learn how to delight in the spiritual discipline of fasting while healing your mind, your gut, and your body. Improve your health, increase your energy, decrease brain fog and body aches, and kickstart your body's ability to drop the extra pounds. This is not another fad diet that you will try and fail because it's not a diet, it's a fast. And we're gonna show you the difference and walk with you every step of the way. This 21 day sugar fast will give you the freedom you've been looking for. Hey, Revelation Wellness friends, this is Aaron, one of the team members here, and I'm working out with you today in a freestyle revving the word, and we're talking all about building a savings account of faith. I like to call it a faith account. This one takes you from the stable to the cross and will help your heart for the good times and the hard. Before we press play, we're kicking off the sugar fast today. So swipe up on the show notes to join us and be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to this podcast. As always, thank you donors for making episodes like these possible. Now let's get going. Getting the playlist started in three, two, one, play. What's up, Revelation Wellness? Hope you're enjoying this playlist. This is our rock playlist. And this is a freestyle workout. This is not an EMOM. This is not intervals. This is not a Tabata. This is freestyle. In other words, we're going to spend about 30 minutes together. And you're going to do what you do. And I'm going to do what I do. And no matter what you're doing, no matter how hard you do it, no matter how you do it, at the end, we're going to end up together. How about that? Today, I want to set our intention. I want to set our minds on what we're going to be talking about. And it's Luke chapter 2. Now, you know this as the nativity story. You know this as the birth of Christ. And it is. And while it is so familiar to us, especially this chapter of the Nativity story, I want to focus your attention on chapter 2, verse 19, and it's about Mary. See, the Nativity story kind of ends right here. And then after this little section, it kind of jumps ahead to his circumcision when he was eight days old. And so... This is where the actual being at the nativity ends. And the Bible says this. 
that the shepherds came. And when the shepherds came, everyone was kind of in awe and taking in what happened. Like, wow, can you believe it? This is, this is awesome. This is nuts. The shepherds were so excited that they had found the Messiah. And then the next verse says that they went back and told everyone they knew. But verse 19 says this. And this is what we're going to focus on today. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. This is the Word of God. All right. I love the Christmas story. I love all the facets of it. The nativity story of Jesus is just so interesting to me and the way that it took place and who was reached. I think it's interesting that of all, on that night of all the people to tell, right? Like it's weird enough that the God of the universe chose to have the Savior, his Son, Christ, the Messiah, take on flesh as a baby and become a human, right? That's, like, that's not what you would think a God in heaven would do. Because it's such a great love story, right? But then, as if that weren't humbling enough, he chose a small, obscure town the town of Bethlehem in rural Israel not even not even the capital not even where the palace was not even Jerusalem we're talking Bethlehem and in the middle of the night to an ordinary family right to a teenage girl who wasn't prominent, that had no resources or means to bring about this child, just a fiance who was a carpenter, who was a faithful man of God. With a lot of patience and understanding. 
and a whole lot of face. As if that's not kind of crazy enough that a god would do that and come about in that way to save his people. If I were then going to announce this birth to the world, like, hey, the Messiah's here. Your long-awaited promise has arrived. Now, come and prepare the way. Come and see what the, this awesome thing that I've done. I'm not going to entrust that story to a bunch of shepherds. To the hired hands, the servants, watching over the flocks of sheep out in the pasture at night. I'm going to entrust it to someone, maybe a king, a governor, someone with some clout, a world leader, someone who can make it known and who is believable and pe who, someone who people honor and respect. Not, not the shepherds, not the hired hands, not the ones who were kind of at the low end of the totem pole. Not those guys. That's not who I'm entrusting this message to. The only people that God made this big announcement to in a vocal way with the big show of the angels in, in the sky and singing the songs and all this stuff, the big spectacle came to some ordinary dudes out in a field taking care of someone else's sheep. But hopefully you and I can relate because God still entrusts his message to the least likely people. That's you and that's me. People that no one really knows who we are. If you were to say our names out in the street, no one knows who that is. But those are the people God entrusts his message to. And he did it here with the shepherds. The shepherds, can you imagine this? Can you imagine them showing up to see Mary and Joseph? Like Mary and Joseph, you know, there's no real place to stay. So they got put into this, what we would call a barn, a stable, where they kept the animals and just an extra room, right? Not the prominent place. But you think about this, like, I don't know if you've ever been in a birthing room, 
I mean, nowadays they're state of the art. I have three girls. I've been in the birthing room thrice, three times. And there's a reason that they hold off on visitors, even your family, for a while. Right? Like the first hour, or as really, as long as you want, if you know the people who are the nurses, you can hold off family for a good bit of time. If you want to, you can even get in your room and request no visitors. And they'll honor it. And after all that pushing, all that pain, all that prolonged chaotic event of a birth, all of a sudden, these random guys that Mary and Joseph have never met, remember, they don't live here. They live in Nazareth. They're traveling to Bethlehem because Joseph was of the lineage and line of David. So they're out of town having a baby in these random, stinky shepherds show up to this estranged place where you've just worn yourself out either supporting Mary in her delivery or being Mary in delivering and you're tired and it doesn't really smell that great and it's messy it's not like there were surgeons standing by. I mean, it's a mess. It's a whole process. And these random, smelly sh shepherd people, these shepherds swing on by, hey, and you're ready to kick them out? You don't want visitors. And we know it was nighttime because it says that in the, in, the, in the night sky they appeared they were keeping watch over their flock by night. So it's the middle of the night and you're already tired. You don't want visitors, but then you can't refuse them because they're like, well, his dad sent us. And they're looking at Joseph. No, not him. <laughs> the big man upstairs, he sent us. His, his real dad. He told us that he was over here and told us to come see it. What are you going to say? Can't say no to God. How do you say no to that? Joseph, I'm sure, is confused, is amazed, really. Oh my goodness, all these things we talked about. Because you got to think about something with Joseph for a minute. You got to think that as Joseph believed the angel, right? He believed Gabriel. And Gabriel said, hey, take Mary as your spouse. You can trust her. You know that there's some kind of doubt going on. Like, okay, I trust, but this is still a baby and now that Jesus has come, you know, you believe, but you're not really 100% there. You're like, okay, 99.9, .9, but there's this whole thing, this .01 of just like, you know, what if? Way back in the back of your mind. But then these shepherds show up and it's as if, God answered your doubts all right in front of you. Like, God, give me a sign. Well, here they are. <laughs> They're right here in front of you. And I wonder if it wasn't just the faith that Joseph needed in that moment. 
I wonder if it wasn't just the faith that Mary needed in that moment when what looked like an inconvenience showed up in the middle of their mess. Sometimes we have a mess going on, an unbelievable mess. Sometimes the promise of God comes into our life looking like a mess. And then we need some help and God shows up and sends us encouragement, sends us faith, sends us help and comfort and sends us a measure of faith in the form of an intrusion, in the form of something that looks like an interruption. And often we push out the very thing that God is trying to use to bless us. But Mary and Joseph didn't push them out. They got to tell their story. And while people were amazed, while Joseph was amazed, and while they thought this was incredible, verse 19 comes along and it says this. It says, but. In other words, the opposite of just saying how awesome it was happened to Mary. Not, I see it in the moment, this is really cool, but Mary took it and saved that faith for later. It says, but Mary was treasuring up. She stored it away. She had a savings account and she of faith and she was putting these items of faith, these tangible expressions of God's faithfulness to her, of God's truth, okay? She's putting them away. Now, these are tangible moments of a promise that was intangible. Remember what Hebrews 11 chapter Chapter 11, verse 1 says that faith is now faith is the substance, yeah, of what? Things hoped for. The evidence, that's physical, of things unseen, non-physical. The substance, physical, of things hoped for, not physical. The evidence, physical, of things not seen, not physical. The unseen and the seen. Faith is the seen of the unseen. That is faith. See, we thought faith was intangible, but the Bible teaches us that faith is the actual tangible evidence of the unseen God, the unseen promise, the unseen whatever it is that God is trying to get to you. Now, faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for, right? So by definition, by biblical definition, Mary takes these moments of faith, creates a bank account, a faith account, and starts putting away these tangible evidences and substances of things unseen in the bank, in the faith account, for a rainy day that she probably didn't even know was going to come. But let me tell you, it came. And she stored and treasured up all these things. What things? Gabriel visiting her. Elizabeth, her cousin, being pregnant at an old age and saying that the baby leaped within her when she walked up with Jesus inside of her. The fact that these shepherds showed up. She treasured up all these things in her heart she was treasuring them up, and the Bible says that she was meditating on them. Now, this, this idea of meditation, you may know this. Some of you may not know this. The word comes from this idea of a cow chewing its cud. In other words, it takes in this grass, this food, chews it up, swallows it. After a while, it comes back up, and it chews on it again. 
swallows it again, digests it, it pulls it back out, chews on it some more. Not done with it yet, there's still some more nutrients that need to come out for it before it becomes a cow pie. So it pulls it back up, chews on it again, gets more nutrients out of it, gets more substance out of it, and eventually it then becomes what we know of as a mud pie. <laughs> a cow pie. Well, just as a cow chews its cud, that idea of it coming up and, and, and chewing on it again, that's the visual that we get here for the word meditating. She treasured them, she stored these things and then meditated on them. She kept bringing them up and thinking about them, pondering on them, getting more nutrients out of it when she needed faith, when she was tired. She thought about these things. When she was like, oh, but did it really? She thought on these things. When she was worried about it, is Joseph gonna stay? She thought on these things. She pressed into these truths. See, what Mary knew and what Mary practiced is something that you and I need to get a hold of. It's that we need to remember in the light what he promised us in the dark. We need to remember the truth of God in the light of what he promised us when times were bad. The opposite is also true. You need to remember things in the dark that he told you in the light. No, no matter which way it works, when it switches, you gotta remember it. See, oftentimes for me, he tells me things in the dark and it's, it's a struggle for me to remember him in the light. When I go through a hard time, I press into scripture. I really feel close to God when I'm struggling because that's when I really reach out to God the most. That's just my habit. We all have flows and seasons that we go through with God and things that, we're, that we have proclivities to that this is just when we reach out to God the most, when things are tough, that's me. Maybe you're like, oh, I'm on top of the world, man. I'm on, now I'm gonna talk to God because things are good. For me, my, my, my faulty way of doing it is to, things are tough, lean into God. Well, that's the dark and I get some truth in the dark. He, he always is faithful to feed me in the dark. And when I come out and things are good, I oftentimes fail to remember in the light what he told me in the dark. But see, what he told me in the dark wasn't just for the dark. It was to carry me through the light so that the faithfulness he gave me in the dark would remain and be a foundation to be built upon in the light. And some of us, he speaks to us in the light. Things are going easy. It's easy to go to church now. It's easy to read my Bible now. It's easy to pray now. It's easy to give now. Things are going well. So I'm meditating, reading God's word. I'm hearing from him. I'm talking with God. The Holy Spirit, I feel like he's speaking to me and I'm, I'm in it. And so he, he tells me something of his truth in the light, but then the dark comes and I struggle. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, where are you, God? I thought you said this. I thought you said that. But we have to remember in the dark what he promised in the light. And Mary here understood this. And so when she was told something, she made a faith account and she stored up. She treasured up all these things in her heart and she meditated on them, the Bible says. What has God told you? What do you need to be storing up?
see, there was going to come a day where Jesus was a child. Things happen. He, I don't know that he, I, I, I don't know. I wasn't there. There's no record of it. I don't know that he backtalked or anything like that. I don't know. I know he never sinned. But, you know, they lost him one time. He would, The Bible says that he was 12 years old. And they went to the Passover festival in Jerusalem. They traveled all the way there. They're traveling with their family. There's a lot going on. They start to leave. Halfway back, where's Jesus? Oh, I thought you had. No, I don't have him. I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with Cousin Elizabeth. And you running around with John? No. He's not back there. Oh, man. Mary had one job. Don't lose the Son of God. I mean, my goodness. I would, I would be terrified. You know what I'm saying? You could lose, like, you know, I lose my kid. It's no big deal. You lose God's kid. It's a big deal. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, of all the kids to lose, you lost the Son of God. Come on. Well, they head back to Jerusalem, and there's Jesus in the temple, acting like nothing is wrong, and he's teaching the Pharisees. These guys are masters of the law. They've been studying it their entire lives, and he's teaching them. He said, woman, don't you know I'm supposed to be about my father's business? <laughs> I don't know how Mary's reply and follow-up was to Jesus getting lost as a 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> But that's when she needed to maybe make a little withdrawal from her faith account. You know what I'm saying? Are you sure this one is a Messiah who doesn't stay with his parents on the way back? You sure this is the one? Let me take a, a deposit out of the faith account. Or maybe when he decided to just up and leave for a month and go out and hang out in the desert after John baptized him. Like, where'd Jesus go? I don't know. I haven't seen him. He's just gone. They didn't have cell phones. There was no pager. I used to page my dad. And I knew the way to get him back to me was to put 911 before the phone number that I needed him to page back. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'd be like 911 and then the number of where I was at. And immediately he would call. Everything all right? Huh? There was none of that. There's no way to get a hold of him. He leaves for a month. Now we know what he was doing because we read about it in the Bible. But I'm sure they didn't have a clue. It's not like he was like, hey guys, I'll be back. I need to go out here and be tempted by the devil for a while. Right? Like that wasn't part of the conversation. Deposit from faith account. Or, hey, we're at this wedding. Jesus, look. I got the faith stored up. I treasure all these things. I've seen some things when you were growing up. I saw some things you did. I saw, I, I stored those up too. They're in here, faith. Now I know you can turn this water into wine. Let's go. Huh? Took it out a little bit. Treasured up the faith. Took it out when she needed it. But see, there was a day when he was 33 years old that he had been talking about for a long time, for at least three years. And he was betrayed by one of his friends, the, someone he was supposed to trust. He trusted him with his money. The accountant of his ministry, 
the CFO trusted him. And his name was Judas, and he betrayed him. 30 pieces of silver. And then he was beaten. Ripped to shreds to where you wouldn't even recognize he was human. Carried his own cross up the hill, and then they hung him on it. Naked for everybody to see. And Mary is standing in front of the cross. And it was time to reach back in to that faith account. See, here's what I know. That not everything is rainbows and sunshine. People lose children. Unthinkable pain. People lose parents. Unimaginable pain. People lose friends. Deep, awful pain. They lose siblings. Painful. People have had things done to them against their will excruciating damage that goes far beyond that moment. Sickness, illness, loss, grief, pain, darkness, depression, anxiety, worry. I could go on and on and on global tragedy that may just touch really close to home for you. And for Mary, it was her son, her promise that God would deliver, be the Messiah. Remember, their idea of the Messiah was eternal victory. And here, Mary's watching that promise be murdered on a cross and it wasn't just the promise for the people like it was for everybody else it was it was painful for the disciples it was painful for the followers of Jesus to look up and say this was supposed to be our promise but for Mary it was more than a promise Mary carried him for 9 months Mary suffered through Mary delivered this beautiful baby boy and it was more than a promise to her people it was a kept promise through her and now she's watching him be murdered her own son her own promise her own fulfillment be crushed in front of her very eyes I can't even imagine the depth of having to watch that it's painful enough that you lose a child but to have to watch them be completely tortured in such a way that they didn't even look human. I can't imagine what that did to her heart and affected her in such an eternal way, regardless of what the outcome would be days later. That changes somebody. But she was chosen for it. She was handpicked for it. As a 16-year-old girl. Because God 
omnipotent knew that there was a faithful 16-year-old girl who wouldn't just let these beautiful moments pass by and take them in and celebrate them in a passing way, but that she would take these moments, these promises, and treasure them up in her heart and meditate on them because she was strong enough to know and full of faith enough to know that there's going to come a time where I need this faith. I need this promise. I need the track record of God to be remembered in my heart, to be remembered in my soul, to be remembered in my mind because the God who gave me this promise is better than what I'm looking at right now when it looks like it's failing. I know he's faithful even when I can't see it right now and right now it's dark, but he told me that it was going to be in the light. And so now that it's dark, I'm reaching deep and I'm remembering and I'm hanging on to the promise of what he told me was true so that even when it looks like a lie, I believe his truth. And I'm telling you that if you look around you today and if you start to store up things, you're gonna see things, you're gonna take them in. Don't let them go by, write them down, put them in your heart, meditate on them because there's gonna come a day where you need it. And there's gonna come a day where your kids need it and your loved ones need it. And the people around you that God's placed in your life, they don't just need their faith, they need your faith. Because of all the people standing around the cross that day, there was one person who had stored it up deep down inside of her. And it wasn't just there for her, it was there for her and those around her. It was there for you and it was there for me because the faith she had spread out and overflowed over into those around her who would later become the leaders of the church that you and I are a part of today. Because of the faith of a 16-year-old girl who said yes to God, and was faithful through light, and faithful through dark, and faithful through agony, and faithful through pain. Because she said yes, and she stored these things up. Friend, listen to me. It's time to store up and treasure up all these things and begin meditating on them. Because you need them, your kids need them, and those around you, the world coming after you need them. So God, do through us what you did through Mary. In Jesus' name, amen.